brand new podcast. It's literally seconds old right now. Uh, I'm Samuel Hulick. And I'm Robert Graham. And we have just introduced ourselves. Welcome to the Successful Users Podcast. Featuring Samuel Hulick and Robert Graham. Yeah, here we are. This is this is this is the new thing. What are we What are we jumping into today, Samuel? Well, uh, so oh, you know, one thing I wanted to do was uh, was pretend like we were sponsored by something. That would have been a lot of fun. I didn't I, I didn't get creative enough to come up with something now. Oh, well, we could have been sponsored by User Onboard. Oh, sure. <laughs> okay, <laughs> should you and I just switch off sponsorships each week? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we totally. We can just rotate through. We'll make up nonsense products whenever we run out of real ones. <laughs> okay, this 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 uh, inaugural episode is brought to you by useronboard.com. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's a, a frequently yeah. updated compendium of web app first run experiences. So go go check that out. Yeah, I saw that on Hacker News the other day. It was amazing. It was on Hacker News. That's right. Oh yeah, that's the other thing is we're supposed to be talking about like our lives and the progress we're making in our careers, right? Yeah. Yeah, we just need to start making progress, and then we'll have things to say. Right. Well, this is like the before. Like, <laughs> yeah, the before picture. Yeah. This is this is yeah. like the frumpy lumpy version. Yeah, of I our, like that of our professional uh, uh, resumes. Nice. Yeah, I'm so, waiting for the yacht picture. Yeah, the yacht picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one's gonna be good. Right. Okay, so we got our first sponsor on yep. our first episode. That's pretty strong. Yeah, well, and it's just, it's really big of them to, you know, have the faith in, in this brand new podcast. It's a huge, uh, huge confidence boost, I have to be honest. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere, too. It did, yeah. I think, I think you recommended it, like, 30 seconds ago. So, what we're kind of looking to deliver here is sort of an amalgam of uh, a few different spaces. Uh, the idea was, you know, customer success, user onboarding... Uh, customer retention, uh, all those types of things. User uh, experience. Yeah. Conversion rate optimization. I like to call it, I think of it as the X's and O's of getting users to turn into customers that love you. Yeah. I think for the for the benefit of, of those at home, or I guess at work, is, all, is also, or on, in the car, on the commute, or on the, yeah, on the, the running trail. Taking a jog. Yep. Or yeah. uh, walking the dog, maybe. A lot of dog walking cast listening, I think, out there. Oh, yeah. At two-a-days, football practice, you know, in a couple months. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're trying to catch up on, on getting customers to love you while you're at football practice. Exactly. Uh, this is, that's, our, that's our key demographic. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but for the benefit of those listening, the, 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 we're going to be trying out a lot of different things. We're going to, we're going to try to get some recurring, uh, segments and, and themes and things like that. And I think one of the bigger, the bigger things is that each, each episode will have a, a, an overarching topic that will, uh, that we'll look to cover as best as we can in a, in an entertaining and, uh, quasi authoritative manner. And, and this week's as you were just mentioning, you wanted to do that. You want to run through through that one again. Uh, well, it's the it's the switch interview for the jobs to be done. So it's uh, it's 
it's not incredibly new, but I think it's gained a lot of momentum more recently. Um, and it's it's easy to contrast with, say, like uh, Lean Startup's customer development. Uh, it's got a different uh, sort of objective and a different feel to it. So I think it's um, I think it's often applied more toward like things that are already established and less toward validating ideas. But it's mm. not necessarily limited to that. So so uh, speaking off the record here, I, I, I kind of started to think maybe if we're talking about the subtle differences between customer development and jobs to be done, um, be, as a preamble to introducing what switch interviews are, maybe we should do like a quick, you know, uh, elevator description of what customer development and job to be done even are respectively. Right. So I can I can... Just, like uh, in an Ender-like way, I can invert the the sequence of this uh, audio recording. Editor's note: Samuel is referring to his role as audio editor and thus his ability to reorder the parts of the audio recording after the fact. Oh, that's that's futuristic. That's almost like you control gravity. Right. You know what would be cool is if I if we didn't cut anything out except I just. We just make this abrupt shift to me talking about doing something in an Ender-like way, and then, <laughs> and then it just goes back to the natural progression talking about Ender's game. We're like, oh, yeah. it didn't make any sense the first time, but now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and later when when you're like, I have no idea what is Ender, what is Ender's game, and, right. and they're like, wait, didn't he say? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but we'll cut okay. this part out. Yeah, this part's no good. All right. So uh, a brief overview of uh, jobs to be done and customer development. Um, so customer development is is basically trying to source a need from a particular segment of uh, customers, uh, and you usually you ask a variety of questions about like daily activities. You ask about um, you know the types of like problems that they have, and like if they had, say, like a magic wand, what would they fix? Um, and you might be interested in something specific, so you know maybe you want to know about their accounting processes, or you know it, c- it could be a lot of different things. But it's it's usually pretty focused and it's problem driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Getting out of the building. Yeah, and you know I think anytime you're talking to customers, good things happen. Right. Although, I think there's some nuance there because I think a lot of times people hear, oh, I should talk to customers, and then they just use all of that time to sell the customer on whatever their current right. version of the thing they right. have is. And I think it's uh, uh, yeah. not, not to be uh, overly semantical here, but I think listening to customers is the important thing. I'm, I'm glad that you corrected me. <laughs> oh, sorry. In front of well, we've already established that there aren't any friends no, listening. No so. friends. No one's listening. It's okay. <laughs> no, no. I think I actually I think you draw a great distinction, and I think uh, I think the biggest proponents of customer development and and the best sort of practice around it doesn't involve uh, like pushing a solution at all. Um, I do think that that's uh, especially people with a technical background. They come to contact with customers and they have a tendency to, to just look at the world a certain way and, and one of those ways I think tends to be just really solution driven so if you imagine there is some problem you want to offer a solution and you 
kind of want other people to to jump on board, right? So yeah, well, and it's also you know about I, like I think imagining that there's a problem is a good way to describe it. That you're not uh, making investments in things that are imagined. You are validating or invalidating what your assumptions are, so that you're investing in things that are known. Right. How would you describe Java? I tried descri- describing it in one sentence earlier, and and it was terrible. So do you have Do you have a one sentence description uh, that you're happy with? Uh, I don't know that I have one sentence. Uh, I can try, and then we can just edit it out because it's garbage. Right, or I'll just correct you. Right. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe that should be a segment. We can have <laughs> Samuel corrects Robert. Yeah, that sounds. I like that idea. I actually just read a quote earlier today. It was somebody's law. The guy who invented Wikipedia, no, a wiki something, but it was like the the quickest way to get the right answer online is not to ask a question, it's to submit the wrong answer. Oh, nice. I was like, oh, very, very, uh, I want a law. I got to get a law named after me. I like that. Yeah. Maybe when I get my yacht, I'll just name it the law. Yeah. That's a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of like a shortcut of sorts. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jobs to be done. Uh, so, I th- man, that's tough. So I, I guess the premise is humans have sort of a finite number of like jobs to be done. You could think of like Maslow's hierarchy, and you're trying to get inside a customer's head to understand um, exactly what job or particular thing is accomplishing. Um, and that involves a lot of stuff around emotion because people people make emotional decisions and then they justify them rationally, um, but the rational part is post hoc. Right. Yep. There you go. And then I I think it's also identifying what someone is struggling with, um, and then looking at redefining the that you the. Redefining the field of play or your field of competition for your product as not other things that have comparable uh, features, but more so things that uh, people use to plug a, a hole in their life, given a you know a, a certain circumstance. So it's very situation driven. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Uh, for example, oh, go ahead. No, you you go ahead. Well, just, um, you know, the classic example being like, and I won't go into the whole thing. I think we should probably do a, a jobs to be done a full episode unto itself. So we'll save, we'll save some of the better stuff for another time. But the, the general example of um, if you order a milkshake for a, a morning commute, um, you're doing it because the jobs that you're hiring it for are to stave off hunger and to keep you entertained and to let you do so with, uh, with one hand still on the wheel and not making a big mess and things like that. And there are other things that, other than milkshakes, like you could go to one fast food restaurant for a milkshake or another for uh, a milkshake as well. So the fast food restaurant might think that they're competing with other fast food restaurants in the the milkshake space. But really the problem space is the uh, eating during commute space. And that's something that can be filled where the, the competition and alternatives are a bagel or a donut or a candy bar or... Uh, an egg McMuffin or things like that. So it's also widening widening your your area of competition to realize that there are things that people are doing to 
to satisfy a particular need. And that's really the, 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 uh, God, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to describe really concisely. Yeah. I, I think in a lot of ways jobs to be done. I mean, the, I guess the distinction that you made there to me, it feels a lot like you're able to identify like an innovation based on the insight you get, um, like a way to do something a little better. Um, like it, like your, your milkshake example is totally reasonable. It's the, the famous example from Clayton Christensen. Uh, but like I, let's say, like say you have kids. Uh, I think a lot of people, and I've seen examples around children elsewhere, but a lot of people will hire different things, like say to keep the kids occupied, right? Mm. Like you might, you might have an iPad and get some movies, or you might take the kids to a movie, or you might take them to, you know, a place with like a lot of inflatables where they could jump and bounce around, um, or you might just like go to the pantry and pull out a cookie, right? It all depends on like how much time you need and you know, what exactly you're buying the time for and, yep. you know, your feelings about kids and nutrition and, you know, what's valuable and what's not and all that. So, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of competing things there. And I think if you understand as the owner of a place that has a bunch of inflatables that parents are, say, you know, you might have one group of parents that come because they want their kids to, like, do something physical but you might have another segment that are really there because they want to work on their laptop and they just want their kids occupied. Yeah. Uh, and I think what that gives you is you can understand that and you can either serve both needs to some degree or you can position yourself like more strongly in a particular way. Would you say that this would be a good replacement for customer development, or uh, would it augment it? Or you would—it's a—it's another tool in the toolbox, and you'd pull out a screwdriver when you need it versus a hammer when you need it. Right. Yeah. So I think it's—I uh, don't know. I, I guess I think it's a cloudy issue. I think like your your context and your experience is gonna kind of answer some of those questions for you. Um, I don't think I would definitively replace everything about doing customer development interviews, um, but I do think uh, if you're if you're open to experimentation, then jobs to be done has a lot to offer. Yeah, I like I, I'm I'm a big fan of it. I think that in um, you know I, I guess I would say it's the two tools in the toolbox uh, as opposed to one replacing the other, but. Then again, I guess there are certain tools where you'll pull out. They're they're versatile. They come out a lot. And I think right. looking at the... It's, it's the Phillips screwdriver of the toolbox? I think it is. Yeah, because you can use that thing. You, I'm gonna, Or maybe maybe it's like a flathead screwdriver because you, you need a chisel, done. You want to... Yeah. You, you I think you can, you know, certain Phillips screw heads uh, you can use, you can use a, a standard on, I think, uh, as well. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So... Uh, um, yeah. Or opening a paint can, for example. Yeah. So, all right. So, uh, I guess yeah. we could, we could just. That's extra value for the listeners is yeah, what we... that is. That's, <laughs> we're giving that away for free. You know, right. Yep. Come, come for the, uh, the, the, the aimless banter and stay for the home improvement tips. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, but yeah, my take on it is when you're looking, taking on a jobs to be done, Focus requires you to 
laser in on the benefit that you provide to the person. It's everything. It's from. It's strictly from your customer's point of view. And I get the feeling that customer development is more from the business's point of view, which I think it's it's easier to start. Uh, uh, what's the well? What's what's something nicer than drinking your own Kool Aid? Less less overused and less morbid. Whatever that would be. Right. I think it's easy yeah. to start. Start. Well, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think just the way the mind works, like the context matters a lot, right? So, like if you if you study for a test. Uh, and you you know play a certain album the whole time, then you will like scientifically do better on the test if you listen to the album when you take it. Um, so oh, like I think mapping mapping memories to associative uh, contexts. Yeah, so I, I guess I think when you go through the effort of putting yourself into the mindset of the customer in a ritual way, which is encouraged by jobs to be done. Uh, I think it has like big advantages around like how you see a problem and how you uh, you know ask the questions and drive the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and the focus is definitely different. I mean, it's not about uh, jobs to be done. Is got less of a sort of like product focus and more of just a, like, well, what what are we trying to achieve here and what what's sort of around that? Like, what motivates people to do it? What what anxieties do people have about it? Um, and not, you know, do these people have a problem that I could write software for? Yeah, right. Well, and it's also you're not you're not taking the solution and trying to match it to a to to find a problem after the fact. You're starting with the problem and then thinking a little bit more laterally about what you know the full spectrum of solutions to that problem could be. Right. Yeah, and I. I mean, ideally, when you're even when you're doing customer development, you're not starting with a solution in mind. But it does tend to be. I think all of these things have a tendency to be applied after the fact. Uh, and as long as you have some customers, I think that's something you can do and get insight from. Even even jobs to be done, I think, has a lot to offer there. So. Yeah, yeah, that was actually what I was just about to say is. Taking having that empathetic view uh, where you're taking on the user's uh, or customer's perspective is that's a it's like a it's like training a muscle. It's really hard to do, and it feels really weird at the beginning. I always kind of compared it to like petting the cat backwards or something. But uh, once you start thinking in that mode, it's hard to stop thinking in that mode as well. I've found. Yeah, I agree. Like I uh, I think like when. when they reversed the 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 scroll in uh, Mountain Lion, and everybody had to start uh, scrolling upside down, like, yeah, uh, and then cool. now, now like you can't you can't train yourself to go back. Yeah, I I just went to the settings and changed it. You did? I did. Yeah, you're I like, don't look, do inverted scroll. It's not acceptable. You're you're like, look, yeah, you're not in charge of my paradigm, Apple. Exactly. I do what I want. I so yeah you're kind of saying I I'm not pushing I'm not pushing the screen or the content of the screen I'm pushing the scroll indicator. Yes. That that perspective is very like Ender's game, right? Like which way is up and down and zero gravity, it doesn't matter. It's just perspective. Uh I guess so. I I I didn't I have neither read the book nor seen the movie. Well, I've definitely not seen the movie, but it's, it's supposed to be terrible. I believe that. Yeah. So what uh, basically the premise is like the only way to trick 
ourselves is to never learn, never unlearn. Wait, how would that go? The only, <laughs> I don't even know. But basically, if you raise a kid to, to without knowing what everybody else knows, then he'll outsmart everybody. Is that basically it? No, it's, it's, I mean, it's like a lot of sort of like hero driven stuff. Uh, there's like a guy who's just better than everyone else at everything. And, uh, his name is Ender. Okay. Um, but yeah, he, he kind of figures out there's a, there's a zero G like, it's really, it's not an actual battle. It's, it's like kids, uh, doing sort of war games and, uh, until Ender gets there, everybody thinks of it basically not entirely two-dimensionally, but they still think of it in terms of like basic formations that you could have seen like the Greeks haul out, you know, in in BC years. Um, and Ender like changes everything by pointing out that you know it doesn't have to be uh, that up is what's above your head when you walk into the room. That it could be. Oh. Um, behind you or it could be like the enemy gate across the way or like it doesn't matter right it's just perspective because they're because they're like in a virtual reality room uh well they're in a future where they control gravity effectively yeah and and so it's the the integrating around the job to be done part that i think is is doubly exciting and interesting that looking at how do you serve that end-to-end need there's a lot of overlap there with onboarding, especially because with onboarding, you're you're fundamentally the you know the basically what you're really doing is just uh, shepherding someone through a behavior change that they have a current set of behaviors that are, they're frustrated with or that are insufficiently serving whatever need they have, and they're looking for alternatives. And if you want them to adopt your product as the alternative, then they need to adopt a new set of behaviors around using that product. That's really the more important thing. So really identifying what does it take to shift someone's behavior from something suboptimal to something preferable that you can provide incidentally with the product being being the catalyst for that right yeah i like that and that's a nice we should give a shout out to our so our sponsor today is is useronboard.com <laughs> right. uh, right. yep you find compendium of uh breakdowns of onboarding in various uh places you may have heard of or be familiar with yep uh, yeah so it's it's good stuff you check it out yeah uh yeah and i so I, yeah i think you're you're on the right track can you so i really like concrete examples can you turn uh the very logical thing that you said into something more concrete uh sure so specifically like how jobs to be done relates to onboarding yeah yeah so i think a perfect example would be I was heading up customer success at a SaaS company, and I we were struggling. That included uh, customer support, and we were struggling with Desk.com as the uh, support software. There were certain specific pain points that we had. Um, kind of had our heads turned by Zendesk. Really liked their customer-centric or apparently more customer-centric approach, um, and just kind of wanted to come up with excuses for switching over, especially before we were like way too committed to desk.com as internal processes and the team was too big and things like that. And so we were going through the switching uh, process. And one of the things that completely shocked me was we had several thousand support tickets in the old system. And we would use those to report on or to pull up to reference or things like that. 
and we were like started the Zendesk trial and we were assigned an account rep and they were you know helping us get everything rigged up and I was like okay well how do we move all those tickets over they're like oh we we don't really there's not like a one button thing for that like oh well how do you help me do that otherwise like well we don't really do that you can you could get like a team of engineers from us and we'll you know do a big port over but we only really do that for like gigantic clients like oh like I mean this is something that easily could have present prevented the entire uh arrangement and it just seemed like such a no-brainer that if you're not looking at it from a product-centric standpoint of our software helps you answer tickets and only helps you answer tickets versus something where you're looking at how do we best get somebody from one situation into a more preferable situation i think that you know porting tickets over would have been a total no-brainer right yeah yeah that, that's a good example um it's pretty yeah i i I like the example i think it's um i think we need to tie it back now to to jobs to be done so like that sort of insight of of onboarding as part of the switch process like where do you where does that come out of interviews to you well i think one of the more famous ones was the uh, oh, and I guess we should also specifically mention that switch interviews, they're essentially jobs to be done interviews, except that instead of looking at the all the reasons that ever anyone would, would uh, that drive someone to make a purchase, um, right. that you're specifically looking at when someone starts, when they switch from one solution to another, uh, which could be switching to your product or switching from your product. Uh, if you if someone If you're asking someone who hasn't recently switched, the reasons that they provide are probably going to be pretty different because they're sort of on autopilot. There are a lot of clarity to the story um, and the motivations that 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 drive people to make purchases right around the time where they're switching it up, not so much as when they're when they're renewing it or doing it over and over again. Uh, so that 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 that's my interpretation of a switch interview. Is that are you in in line with that roughly or? Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's the focus, um, and I think one of the things you could sort of interestingly do with something like that, I don't know if there's a lot of experience out there with this. I'd be interested if if uh, you know one of our non-existent friends that's listening uh, <laughs> has has done this before. They should get in touch. But uh, so you could essentially do these like for your competitors' products, right? Or uh, say you say all you have is like an idea or a market you're interested in. You could do a switch interview for, uh, you know, some product in that space. So if you're Help Scout, you could do a switch interview for someone who went from Desk.com to Zendesk, right? Or if you, or more specifically, if you are not yet a company. Yeah, I mean, really, either case. Um, yeah, say you're like. Rob Walling with Drip, and you're interested in you know a larger part of the the email marketing spectrum. So you could do switch interviews for some of the bigger players. Do you is that something that you've done, or like how do you how do you know when somebody has recently switched? Uh, I mean, that would be a challenge. And no, it's not. It's not something I've done. I just thought it was an interesting way to sort of hack the process because of the way it's structured. Yeah, I concur. I guess if you have enough of an audience, you could just poll people. Or uh, or yeah, uh, or do like a Twitter search for Zendesk, could do that. and yeah. then if somebody's like, just switch to Zendesk, it's awesome. Yeah. Like, hey, that's awesome. Can I talk you, to you about that for a second? <laughs> you could even say like, I'm thinking about checking them out myself or something, which would be 
quasi true. Yeah, that's that's edgier. Um, so you could you could well, it'd be hard to know when exactly they switched, I guess. But you could do um, essentially just a web crawl and find sites with with particular forms on them, uh, and then maybe like date the pages. Yeah, or like Heartbleed. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe you could like have a friend that works at the NSA and just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll you won't believe who just signed up with, <laughs> with Basecamp. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you could you could totally do that. Um, yeah, I'm glad. Well, I feel like that's an exhaustive list of options. So. Right. So it's really just going through the roof here. I'm. I'm impressed. Let's recap. Yeah, let's let's just make sure we didn't blow through those too quickly. For those for those taking notes, it's uh, do a search on Twitter to see if people were mentioning that they had just switched to it. Uh, well, and, and well, actually, non-jokingly, I think it's also important to, to mention that switch interviews can also happen not just from one product to another, but you know, maybe you've been managing your customer support in uh, Gmail this whole time, right? And you've outgrown it, and so you, I mean. You know, I could easily imagine someone tweeting out like, oh, so nice to finally have a real solution. You know, so glad to be with Zendesk. That would be switching too. Right. Yeah. I mean, going back to like my occupy the kids kind of a problem, right? If that's the job to be done. Right. Like you could buy a lot of products. uh, You could do certain things around the house. You could also just like go for a walk. Right. So, I mean, it's. Yep. It's possible that your competition is is free and more accessible, and in some ways, you know, satisfies the need just as well. And it's probably more likely. It's probably more likely that they're trying to do it themselves, and and then are going to step it up with like an actual paid product. More, right. more, more. I would assume it would be more likely that than it would be they just have no loyalty to the current product that they're using and are just fed up and want to switch. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I guess, caution or temper that with, uh, that w- I think that would depend on the market a little bit. But like the, uh, I think the spaces we've talked about, that's true in. With the lock-in and loyalty, I would think like yeah. like an email thing too, where if you're if you're setting things up yeah. and you're you get everybody imported into campaign monitor, there's probably it's probably pretty unlikely that you're gonna just shake things up and switch over to Mailchimp or whatever. I would. I would I would assume. I don't know. I could be wrong, though. I think that. I mean, I think in general that's true. I think the switch cost is pretty high, but I know like the guys on the Fizzle podcast. Uh, shout out to those guys. Uh, yep. I met Chase Reeves, in fact, at, at MicroConf this year. Uh, but those guys actually they bounce back and forth between uh, Mailchimp and Aweber a couple times. So I mean, it that kind of thing happens, even though there's a, a just, high cost. Yeah, backstabbers. Oh, wow. Taking, I like this. We're, Shots we're fired. Like the, yeah, yeah. I want to get like a, I want to get like a, like a, like a mid '90s East Coast West Coast beef going here. I yeah. If only they weren't all West Coast, that would work. And it's not the '90s. Well, we can work on that. All right. So we've broken down what customer development and jobs to be done are in a very uh, uh, ten thousand foot view sense what the difference between them are, and then specifically how to switch interviews are kind of the, the keyhole that you get to see the job to be done through. Would that be fair to right. say? Yeah, I think so. And I, 
I guess my my impulse now is to go. So we've done ten thousand feet. We've done, you know, useless banter. Yeah. Uh, we've uh, we've covered you know Hugo and Nebula award winning sci fi books, and uh, <laughs> now, uh, what what do you think the best way? So I you know I'm a guy off the street. Uh, I want to do some some switch interviews. Maybe I have a product. Maybe I just have an idea. Uh, I know who I want to do the interviews with, but I don't have any idea how to get started. So what what should I do? Right. Well, I think I mean that's what we were just kind of uh, circling around. Is is it really does help to have a product because then you then you have a captive audience of people that you can say, hey, I saw you just signed up for my product. Can I figure out why right. that was? If you don't, I think you would have to be kind of. I, I just don't know how you would do a switch interview otherwise, unless if there was some sort of um, maybe a landing page where, you know, but at that point they're, they're not, they haven't purchased, they haven't made the transaction. They've just requested more information or whichever, which uh, that's one thing with switch interviews is there's the whole timeline of passive looking, active looking, comparing things like that. And I think, uh, you know, uh, it's really, the question is you're, you're so actively looking for this and there's enough of a sense of urgency, either external or, or uh, one that you applied to yourself that you've actually your behavior has changed. You've 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 switched it up and you've and you've made a purchase for something else. And there there has been an action taken. I think is is a is a key element to it as well. Yeah, I mean, timeliness and action are are pretty huge. I mean, one one of the biggest precepts around the framework is to get at the emotion of the process. Um, recognizing that emotion is the process and then trying to to put yourself in those shoes and to help through the questions you ask and the structure of the interview uh, to put the person back in that situation and feel those same emotions. Yeah. What do you mean the emotion is the process? Uh, well, I guess I mean that people just make decisions based on emotions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so like that whole like even passive looking and then active looking and then the purchase decision, all that is an emotional process. And I'm sure you've got examples floating around in your head of like, uh, like I've had times where I, you know, get interested in something, I read like all these posts or reviews or something, and then uh, maybe someone even like just tips me off to a better alternative or. I decide I don't really need this thing that much for whatever reason, uh, or you know the job that I needed it to do goes away because you know something fell through, mm-hmm. um, and then you know I drop it, and then the emotional process for the the before the action part is still there. Um, you can get all the way to the buy button and still drop out. Yeah, that's very true. I, I do that. That happens all the time. Yeah, shopping cart abandonment kills. It's not good. So I have a recommendation for switch interviews for making them, which is to uh, to get us uh, to to make the the story that people are following as specific and uh, about an actual event as possible. That a lot of times when you're talking to customers, you can even unintentionally ask leading questions like, uh, you know, would you buy a candy bar for six dollars, or 
uh, when, you know, do you usually do this or, or that? And when you're asking these kind of questions, it's just in human nature to want to to get along with the person who's asking the questions. And so it's like, well, yeah, sure, I can imagine myself. Sure, yeah, yes, yeah, I would buy a candy bar for $6. But if you instead asked, tell me the last time you bought a candy bar for $6, that uh, would, would bring surface the truth a little bit more about what somebody actually is willing to do. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. I I worked in uh, user interface research at one point with uh, somebody who was a, a very good authority on survey design, and that's one of the precepts in survey design too. Is it's it's actually really hard to write good survey questions, and one of the reasons is you tend to lead people to certain conclusions, or or you at least allow them to understand like what direction you want them to go. Right. Um, and that kind of ruins the the survey. So. Uh, typically, you end up uh, asking very open-ended questions, and then needing to sort of compile that data and and try to understand a lot of qualitative information. And I think jobs to be done provides a framework to extract that qualitative information in a structured way, and then you know a few sort of key terms and ideas that they've defined in sort of a, a tighter way. And a, a lot of times. Uh, you know, you just need like a common language to refer to things, and it gives you a lot of power. So I think that's that's part of what they did there. Yeah. Well, and it's also if you're if you're asking for actual real world details and not just do you usually type details, then yeah. it it fires up all those uh, uh, connecting neurons where like oh yeah, it helps them put them place themselves back in the, the, the moment that they were, uh, you know, making the decision or performing the research or deciding that something had to change or whatever, that it, it's, uh, it, there are a lot of, you're looking to, to waken a lot of that up and um, getting people to recall specific details apparently is a, is a great way to approach that. Yeah, right, that, I think that's, that's right on. So uh, I guess if I were, were going to give someone advice about about getting started with switch interviews, um, so both of us actually looked around a little bit for good resources, and uh, we'll throw up what we have on the in the show notes. But uh, there's less out there than I anticipated. I think uh, if you're interested in jobs to be done, uh, the most common resource that you'll come across is a Udemy course with Chris Speck and Bob Mesta, um, and specifically regarding switch interviews. Yes. I would say if you're looking, if you're just uh, JTBD curious, I would recommend going to the Chris. Uh, uh, oh boy, were you going to reference the podcast or our, our podcast? No, not our podcast. <laughs> the you know, when, you know one resource you might podcast. really want to check out is uh, um, no, it's a uh, Clay Christensen's uh, "Integrating oh. Around the Job to Be Done," a Harvard Business Review white paper. Yeah, that I that I I I, I wish. There are so many people who I wish would read that. That's one of the, my favorite things that I've ever read as far as uh, professional inspiration is concerned. Nice. Have you read that? No. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> we're, off, we're off on the right foot yeah. here. Well, don't, don't be like him. Be like me and read Integrating Around the, Jobs to be done, Around the Job to be Done by Clayton Christensen, Harvard Business Review. It's like okay. it's like six dollars. It's a PDF you can buy. It's amazing. It'll blow your mind. All right, I'm I'm gonna do that, and yeah. I recommend that others do that as well. Well, thank you. 
the other sort of getting started thing I think makes a lot of sense when you do things like this um, is uh, is actually role playing. Oh. So I think I think a lot of people can can be very nervous about doing these types of things. I think uh, the participants or the or the people doing the interview are nervous. No, the the people doing the interview actually. So okay. Yeah, um, and I think if if you're not used to getting yourself in the mindset, if you're not used to having direct conversations with customers, especially if you have a technical background, I think I think it can help. So if you if you can find a friend or uh, even a relative to to sit down with, and you know you get sort of the structure of things that you want to go through, find out like a recent purchase they made, and try to try to go through an interview and and just have a dry run that there's no no loss if if it's not smooth. That's a that make that, that that inspires me to give a a sub tip to that, which is um, to practice on other products. That didn't occur to me until you just said it. And I think it's a wonderful idea. Yeah, you know, actually, maybe we should do a follow up episode on a recent purchase, and one of us can just just take that role. Oh, all right, yeah, I'll I'll go either way on that one. All right, we'll giddy up. But what I what I like about what I like about practicing your your switch interviews on another product is you're not invested in that product, right? If I'm like, uh, well, wait, I guess should we not list our like? Do you ever read like mom blogs or whatever where they like refer to their husband as like P or something where it's like they don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. My so my yeah, wife, especially with our sponsor today, I think it's it's nice of you <laughs> to back off of mentioning anything you yeah. have going on. Yeah. All right. So uh, my wife M uh, just got a new new uh, dish detergent, for example. We've we've uh-huh. had the we've used uh, I believe it's BioClean for years now, and then all of a sudden I come in and it's like uh, Trader Joe's brand. I don't know what the heck happened here. I got blindsided by this, but this is incredible and. It, <laughs> right and so uh yeah because it used to be like the BioClean. it was like the grapefruit one it smelled fantastic now it's this purple it looks like a bottle of dawn with the trader joe's logo slapped on it a total oh, no. step down so yeah it probably smells like flowers and shame it probably does yeah i don't know i refuse to use it so oh. no i don't really <laughs> but uh yeah i almost i almost called her right into the kitchen and 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 uh tried to get right to the bottom of it, but I haven't. So that would be good fodder. I could I could practice on her tonight and see what happens. That yeah, I think that's really you know if we can idea. give out marriage advice too, I pretty much just don't listen to Samuel. <laughs> right. If you really want to rekindle uh, the romance in your relationship, um yeah, launch an inquisition as to why they switched uh dish detergent brands. That's Yeah. That's a gold star. That's that's my tip for the week. Yeah, that's the way. Uh, basically, if you don't have anything lined up for for the birthday, maybe the anniversary, you know, <laughs> if, if if Valentine's Day is coming up when you're listening to this, yeah. this is it's just consider it done. Yeah, just just kind of like slide a piece of paper across the table that says like uh, this this document entitles the holder to one uh, product inquiry. <laughs> Yeah, I know there. There's a a resource I wanted to mention uh, was the Jobs to Be Done podcast. Uh, so it's it's Bob and Chris, the same guys we keep mentioning. Yep. Um, 
and there's some example switch interviews that they do on live on the podcast. Uh, I know there's one for a smartphone and one for a mattress. Um, yep. And those I think are are the, good if you want to. The laptop get a bag feel. was great too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But the mattress one, I think that's a perfect example. Because one thing, because like maybe the people listening to this are like, okay, well, this is great, but how do I actually apply this to uh, my company? And so uh, that's one one example that always comes to my mind is they were talking to this guy about when he bought a brand new mattress and where he had the first thought, like where where when the seed of, of change was right. planted. And he was talking about, I think he had like health issues that he was thinking maybe had to do with his bed and he was having a hard time falling asleep. So he was, uh, I think, drinking a lot of whiskey or something, something along those lines. And so the job to be done for him was to get a, a better night's sleep than he was currently getting. And, you know, for a while he was hiring whiskey. If I, re- once again, assuming my recollection is correct, that was the, that was the product he was hiring to, to perform that job for him. Um, but eventually just got to the point where he's like, that's it. I need to go and buy a new mattress. This thing is too uncomfortable. And so then he switched to hiring that instead of uh, booze to, to solve that problem. Which I, I bet booze is actually a, a sleeper agent among jobs to be done pre-switchers. I bet that's <laughs> I bet that's like the the universal uh, salve before somebody's just like, all right, now I gotta get I gotta get real about this. But anyway, so he was specifically saying like he 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 came to the determination I've got to get a new mattress while he was lying in bed tossing and turning at night. And from there, Bob and Chris were like, oh, so if I ran a mattress company, I would have a midnight sale. Because that's the moment where you're most engaged and emotionally invested in making that change. Why not line up your business, the way that your business is conducted and the way that you sell, with the way that somebody would be most primed to buy? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a a good recollection. And I'm sure that, you know, most, like you like you mentioned this app, I mean, who isn't competing with whiskey? Right. Yep. I I'm not. Wait, I know I am. Yes, yes, you are. <laughs> uh, I'm not not competing with whiskey. I like it. The the customer double negative podcast. Yeah, well, I think I think we've just hit on our first soundbite. I think that could be. I, I I think we should make some t-shirts up. I'm not not competing with whiskey. Is yeah, that a t-shirt? I would wear that. It yeah, would, it would have to. I'm like, actually already wearing it. That's weird. <laughs> It couldn't be. It couldn't be like one of those like nice fifty-fifty American Apparel, uh, poly cotton cotton blend ones. Like it'd have to be like a Hanes beefy tea with a pocket. <laughs> with a pocket. Yeah. I like that. Yep. I'm not not comp- And then there's like a whiskey stain somewhere on it. Yeah, and maybe yellowed out armpits. <laughs> yeah. Like 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 it's like. Because or, or or like it's like the stonewashed jeans except in reverse and gross. Right. <laughs> Uh, excellent all right great well i'll list a resource that is not related to switches but uh was brought up earlier uh i i have to admit i have not read it i've read another book of theirs uh well they being brant cooper and patrick patrick vlaskovitz uh one thing a a mr heaton shaw who i i hold a great deal of respect for his opinion really strongly recommends people read is called the entrepreneur's guide to customer development, a cheat sheet to the four steps to the epiphany. 
So the Four Steps to the Epiphany was a very long textbook-like book written by Steve Blank, who I guess was a university professor at the time, hence its scholarly tone. Yes, yeah. and I, he, he taught a course, too, about about entrepreneurship that kind of component of people going on doing these things. Right. And so Brant Cooper and Patrick Vlaskovitz were like, okay, but this is the part that you actually need to read. So let's just write a book about that. That's my understanding of that book. Uh, it's supposed yeah, to be I, a pretty breezy stuff. read. I've read their other book called The Lean Entrepreneur, How Visionaries Create Products, Innovate with New Ventures and Disrupt Markets. I thought that was very nice. Inter- uh, illustrations by, what's his name? The, uh, the, the Pretend Monster. Pretend monster. Fake Grim, fake Grimlock. Oh, do you know? I'm fake, lost. Fake Grimlock. No, I don't. Fake. I, you know, I haven't seen. I haven't seen him around too much lately. But he was. He was a guy that. Uh, he would. Do you know like Grimlock? The I don't even know what that's from. Transformers. No, Is that from? I'm lost in the desert. Here. I gotta look this up. Wow, we gotta edit this out. Okay, so so Grimlock was a giant robot dinosaur from transformers okay and so this guy whoever a mystery man called himself fake grimlock and then would write and uh he would comment on other people's boat posts like fred wilson especially um other people oh. along those lines in in like all caps stilted english like uh well, i don't know what would uh best best way to investigate job to be done is forget about product or something like that. I don't know, but all caps. And he would just, he just like that Grimlock voice. That sounded very powerful, very dinosaurish. Yeah. Well, were you kind of scared a little bit? I, yeah, I may have ducked behind my chair for part of it. Right. Well, I try not to bust it out too often because it, it can be pretty intimidating. So Right. Really, yeah. o- only like when I'm in danger. Like if I'm if I'm in a like a dark alley, I'll probably I'll probably pull out the Grimlock voice then. Okay. Yeah. That that feels like the right thing to do. That feels safe. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but anyway, so he would. What, this is a total rabbit hole. Anyway, so he would comment <laughs> on all these people's blog posts, and then he he had a very popular Twitter account, and then. Uh, then they hired him to make the illustrations for their book. He also wrote some articles that were kind of, uh, got passed around. I don't know. Let's see. I got to pull this up here. Wow. This is, this character has a lot of history. Yeah. If you go to Twitter, uh, it's at fake Grimlock and he's still tweeting right now. Oh, well, good for you. Fake Grimlock. Yeah. He's out there making it happen. Anyway. So he illustrated the book that I'm not telling people to read. (laughs) Which is, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, the book that I am recommending, which I have not read yet, it's on my list, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Customer Development. It's the little blue book, I believe people refer to it as that. Yes. Kind of a so cheat I, sheet. Oh, I called. have read this book. You have? I can, I can, yes. It is, it's a good read. So. Oh, so, so even someone who has read it recommends it. <laughs> so here's an idea. If, uh, if I'm going to come up with a, a recommendation as well. Uh, I would say, as an idea, as a thought experiment, hold switch interviews when people leave. Yeah, no, I think that I think that's a great idea for for people. I, it can be more of a challenge to get, uh, you know, customers that are on the outs with you to 
because they're already they're like look you're in my past man i don't i don't right. i don't got time for I you i don't love you anymore yeah uh, this could but, be us yeah. but you playing i think it's worth the effort even if you you know have to go through a lot of rejection to get a few of them i think you can learn a lot from those types of things right well you'll you'll at the very least uh find out where your 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 incompetence incompetencies lie Right. And one yeah. thing that I feel like I've heard is pe- a lot of times people will leave a product because of a perceived uh, lack of, of a feature set. And it, it's just a perception problem. They Actually, that those features do exist. They just didn't know it. Yeah, but I mean, that in and of itself is a problem, right? I mean, Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying. It's sort of like, I don't know, at some level, uh, you know, communicating what's in your head to someone else is on you. Um like if they misinterpret what you said, it's it's your fault for not making it more clear. Yeah, it's like uh, Joel Spolsky's definition of uh, usability is: if the thing doesn't do what I expect it to, then that's that's on you, basically. That right. either you should have made me expect it to do what it was going to do, or you should make it do what I was expecting it to. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it's time to, uh, open up the mailbag now. Oh, the, the mail, we have a mailbag? Uh, we do, but it's empty because this is the first episode. Oh, that's really a shame. So, uh, everybody that's listening to this, you, this is a problem that needs to be solved. So if, if, if we're going to be able to do this and continue to do this, we're going to, we're going to have to get some, some important emails from important people like you. And yeah. And that just that just has to happen as soon as possible. Right. Editor's note. Since Samuel and Robert forgot to mention, you can always ask any questions on Twitter. Two at symbol successful users. Thank you. And I guess I guess what we're gonna rec rec uh so should we ask people if you have switch interview questions, email them to us and we'll answer them on the next mailbag? Because then that episode's topic will not be this one. Or just any uh, questions. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think any questions you might have about about the space we're we're talking about are welcome because we don't know, you know, when, when people will be exposed to this. Right. Um, but yeah, if if you've got switch interview questions, then uh, hit us up. If we can't put it in an episode because it doesn't fit, then we'll do our best to uh, either Either put it up on the website and give you a link, or uh, maybe reach out directly. Yeah, or we'll just we'll just have an open floor. I guess I, so. Next week we can say it would be like previously on, and then we could <laughs> yeah. do we could do like a really quick montage of us just saying buzzwords. Well, I guess all good things must come to an end, and here we are in the very first podcast episode ever. Uh, what should should we do? Do do we have like a sign off? I'm Samuel. And I'm Robert, and we'd like to give a big thank you to our our you know initial sponsor of uh, useronboard.com. Took a huge risk on us and I I really think it paid off. Yeah, I really the sky's the limit at this point. So we yeah. big thanks to those guys, but we're gonna make them rich. It's yacht time. It's yacht time. Oh, so we're already the after? <laughs> no, not not yet, but it's for for user onboard. It's it's yacht time because we're. Gonna oh, I now. see. This episode's really just. Yeah. 
Okay, great. Well, yeah. they'll be very happy to hear that, I'm sure. Yeah, I think I think they're going to be excited. <laughs> I think I think another thing should be that the uh, the outro music just cuts one of us off mid sentence every episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I'm I'm I'm, I'm totally down. Uh, I'm gonna. <laughs>